Hey who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 154. Yeah. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kidneys? I don't like the colour. Howdy do, Who fans. Hope you've all had a cracking week. <laughs> and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who... Wise. ...related. Oh, damn. <laughs> How do you do not I, know this by I now? I don't know. I don't know. It's your My own brain bloody will... show. <laughs> My brain will not hold this information. Oh dear. Maybe. I was just laughing as well because I was so busy rocking to the music that I was banging my mic against my headphones as well. Maybe it's confusion. Maybe because you've got the Geek's Handbag intro going I on as well. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it is that. Yeah. Yeah. So Doctor Who related. Right. Related. Next week, listeners, going to get it right. Because you know if I get it wrong, I'm going to make Gary edit it till I get it right. <laughs> we'll do take five. Take, take six. five. It's yeah. not that difficult. I don't know why I can't get it. Oh, yeah. dear. Mm. I feel like a, a karaoke singer today. I'm having to hold my mic because um, for reasons that are too long and boring to go into, I've, I've got a different setup today. So I'm stood here holding my mic instead of having it in a nice stand. And I don't know. I kind of feel like I should break into song or... Or at the end, I should at least drop the mic, you know, drop the mic, <laughs> drop the mic. Like. <laughs> yeah, normally when, we've, when we're done recording, we, um, we, we stop the, uh, we, we press stop and then we just have a little, we have like a few minutes like, oh, that's cool. You know, that was, and we have a, a, a chat before we go. I can just imagine you this week, literally just dropping the mic and walking off. I just see the back of you walk, wandering around the corner. <laughs> It's it's gonna have to, it can't be too long a show because I tell you my arms gonna really ache by the end of it I can tell it's like the good old days except this is a a lot heavier than the mic I used to use because I used to hold the mic but it was it was a tiny little wiry thing this is like a proper yeah oh, that's right yeah problem. I think we've mentioned the uh, the infamous um, lapel mic that he used that's to use it. that was falling yeah. apart and <laughs> it, it look if you can imagine listen if you can imagine um, a, a typical old sci-fi uh, uh, show well, actually yeah like Blake 7 or Doctor Who or something like that where there was like a little piece of something that would go into a, a larger piece of equipment or a spaceship to fix it and it normally looked like a piece of mangled sort of <laughs> metal with like wires you know poking out of it this is what Adam's microphone used to look like yeah he had taped it up at one point that didn't work after a couple of shows oh and uh, and I just used to see him holding it looked like a piece of spaghetti like, it did, yeah. It's a piece of spaghetti with a licorice all sort on the end. Yeah, it was so <laughs> funny. 
If you've ever seen, what is it? If you've ever seen the film Liar Liar, where he's talking into a phone that's been obliterated and yes. it's just a, just a mic on the end of a wire, that's what it used to look like. Yes, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly, what, it exactly like. what it used to make me think of. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all good. Uh, just uh, you know, obviously this is a lot better, but a lot heavier. Um, not ideal for holding for three hours, but we'll <laughs> we'll see. I've got another handler. I can I can do that. I can swap to the other arm. We're all good. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah, there we good. go. Yeah. Coming up in today's show, 154, we have a bit of news about a rumour that's been that's picked up a lot of speed over the last day or two. It blimmin' has, isn't it? Yeah. It really has. And normally we don't really talk about rumours because they are just rumours. But this one has exploded, so we're going to mention that. And we're going to get onto some yes. merch. We've got a few bits there. And then onto our review of the awesome, <laughs> amazing story, Nightmare in Silver. Yes. Before Indeed. that, how the devil have you been, mate? What have you been up to? Well, I'm, I'm good. I'm very good. Yeah, I'm kind of having um, <laughs> a lot of building work done, so I'm kind of sat in a um, in a dark room because all the windows are boarded up, and hence why I haven't got my table and normal setup. But I'm good. Um, I was worried because I thought oh, I haven't got anything to talk about in the waffle, uh, and then literally ten minutes before we recorded uh, Doctor Who magazine dropped through the letterbox and um obviously it's the first one to have jodie whittaker oh yeah on the cover so yeah. i was like oh that's cool so um yeah i had a quick flick through that uh there's an interview with jodie in it um i, I obviously haven't had time to read it but i'm looking forward to giving that a read but the bit the, the one bit i did read that i thought was quite interesting was that uh, apparently she's filmed her little bit for the christmas special ah, right. so she's actually filmed that because we were saying last week when in a lot of interviews she was saying oh i haven't even started yet which made us think what's going on is she in the mm. christmas special isn't she so apparently she's filmed it but the, the bit i found interesting was that um that chibnall's written her scene apparently according to doctor Who magazine so the mothballs written the episode but for her little introduction he's handed it over to chibbers ah, okay uh, yep. which i think i'm writing saying happened with RTD and Matt Smith, didn't yes. it? Didn't RT, didn't uh, Stephen Moffat write Matt Smith's first little? He did. Bit? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's quite a nice little handover thing, I think. That's cool, actually. Yeah. 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 Oh, that. So she must have meant then where when she says that she hasn't started yet, she hasn't started proper. Like that's right. You yeah. know the new series, series eleven. Mm. I read you. Cool. Yeah. So That'd be good. Just, read them. Yeah, it does look good. It's great to. Um, it's a really nice cover, actually, with like thirteen and her face on the front and stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's good. it looks quite a thick issue as well. So I'm looking forward to giving that a read. I watched their program last night. She's in this medical drama on TV at the minute, so I've been watching that because um, you know, just to see, suss her out mm -hmm. and see what she might be like. Um, she's really good in it. Um, I'll tell you what, it's a bit gory though. <laughs> oh, I was, uh, trust me. I do. Yeah, trust me. It's yeah. called. Um, I do end up watching bits through my hand. Like last <laughs> night, there's a lot of surgery because obviously it's a medical drama, so you've got to expect it. But it goes from like really like um, gentle scenes of her and you know this guy she's seeing walking through the fields, and it's all lovely. Oh, this is a lovely drama. This is, and then all of a sudden it cuts to like in a medical emergency, and there's like oh knives and things that I don't even want to mention on the podcast because they're too gruesome um, happening. And I was just like, oh my god, no, 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 <laughs> watching it through the fingers. But she's she's very good in it. I'm. Uh, yeah, more I see of her, the more I'm just, you know, really buzzing. I can't believe it's so, you know, so far away as well. We're not going to get to even see her. Well, we'll see her at Christmas, but we won't get to see any sort of new stories till next year. I mean, I don't know when they start filming, but 
It'll be, it's a long uh, way off, isn't it? Yeah, it should be a very early part of next year, I would, I would have thought. I assume so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But, uh, mind you, I remember, I remember saying that with um, when we had that break, didn't we, for Series... Was it Series 9? Remember when we had a bit of a break for Capaldi? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was Series 9, wasn't it? We were saying, oh, God, it's a year away or whatever, and, you know, and now it's been and gone, so I guess it will soon roll round, but, yeah. Still feels a long way off at the minute. It does. It does. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to reading that. But I haven't been out. You know, haven't been up to much else. What about yourself, mate? You've been doing anything? Been watching um, any classics or any big finishes for you? Yes, both. Yeah. So I've watched oh, a couple of classics. Yeah. So I watched The Curse oh. of Fenric. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And I've watched The Visitation. So, oh, the play. Yeah. So after we after we mentioned it on last week's. Even when we do that little, we we should get a sound bite of that, but because yeah, we, 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 yeah. we use it a lot. But after every time we mention that, the plague, I just I've, I get a hankering to watch that story. So uh, I stuck that on. It's a good one, isn't? We've reviewed it, so I can say this. Can't yes. I? Um, yeah. It's a great. It's one of my favourite Davisons. Actually, I really like that story. Um, were you laughing when Adric does the whole? <laughs> Of course, yeah. Kickboxing the robot bit. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, old mm-hmm. Atric. Yeah, he goes for it. He does, yeah. So I really enjoyed getting... It's really cool to... um, uh, Because I've had some time off from work um, this week, it's just been nice to um, just sit sit down cross-legged in front of the uh, bookshelf and just think, right, classic who. Mm. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? But there is one danger with that, though, is that you, you can spend an awful long time thinking, well, I'm in the mood for a Tom Baker, so let's gravitate towards that. But I'm also in the mood for for a Davison. Mm. And there was this thing that we mentioned on the show as well that makes me want to watch this one. But now I'm also feeling a Hartnell story. <laughs> and you end up going round and round for about 15, 20 minutes. Well, I do anyway. Yeah, then, I do. So. Yeah. And then I actually start talking to myself. I'm like, right now. <laughs> I'm gonna. I've whittled it down. It's it's Hartnell, or it's Davison. Oh, what about this other story? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I went round in a loop for about half an hour. So I picked those two. That was cool. Uh, but I've also listened to the first two stories of the uh, classic Doctor's New Monsters box. Oh, set you from have. Big Finish. Oh, really good. Yes, really, really good. Actually, really good. So the first one, Night of the Vashta Narada, uh, with Tom Baker, is a very, very good story. And oh. I, I, you haven't listened to these yet, have you? No, I haven't got around to it yet. No. Yeah, and it's fairly recent as well, so I'm not going to go into you know story details. But um, if you've if you've got the first box set, uh, volume one, uh, it, it's all it, it it's not a follow up per se. None of the stories are, are linked, but because all the packaging design is very similar and stuff, it does feel like a sort of natural progression on from that. And the, uh, the the writing's taken a step up as well because when when we spoke about Volume One when that first came out, we did say that it's a good box set, but it's not gonna it doesn't sort of set the world on fire in terms of yeah. like groundbreaking big finish or anything like that. But I can yeah. tell with these stories that they've definitely invested a bit more time to okay. to get the the stories that you know they've creeped up a little bit more in terms of their quality and stuff. So the first one with Tom Baker is really good. And the second one, Empire of the Ragnos, is very, very good. Oh, cool. I'm looking forward to that because we reviewed, um, uh, what's that story called? <laughs> the Ragnos story. Um, Runaway Bride. Runaway Bride, yep. Um, just the other week, didn't we? We both yeah. really enjoyed that. So, yeah. Is it the same person doing the voice? Is it the same woman? I think so. 
Yes. Yeah, because remember, we both said she was really good. Yeah, I think so. I, well, if it's, I'll have to have a look at that. But even if it's not, they've got somebody that absolutely nails the. Um, they've got the old rah, 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 yeah. laughter thing. Yeah. yeah, who was it that did the? Because I remember you said she's in Broadchurch or something, and I was like, oh, it's her. Yes. Um, is it her still? I'll have to look it up. Um, if it's not, they've they've found someone that absolutely nails the um, the voice. So uh, yeah. Somebody, yeah, cool. uh, there's probably a bunch of listeners that have been saying no it's not or it's yeah. yes it is whatever I honestly can't remember but they're two really really good stories to kick off that box set so I'm looking forward to um, the next two so uh, uh, the Carrier Knight Curse and uh, Day of the Vashta Narada oh I see that's interesting there's two Vashta Narada stories in there yeah so, uh, is the other yeah. one with the Ape Doctor yes oh cool yeah alright interesting yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting getting into those. I normally listen to them when I'm doing the ironing, so I obviously haven't doing, been doing any ironing recently because <laughs> that's when I always listen to my big finish. <laughs> uh, so it's just uninterrupted and it gets me through. But um, no, I have to say the last time uh, I did, I was actually listening to their new Blake 7, so I'm afraid I defected. Uh, I was listening to their new Blake 7 box set, which is why I haven't got around to this one yet. Here but, we go, here we yeah, go. Yeah, but it's next in line. Blake! <laughs> Well, they've recast a major character, you see. Right. And I right. wanted to know and wanted to see if they were any good. <laughs> so uh, that's why I put it on first. But yeah, no, I, I, it does sound good. I'm looking forward to listening to that one. I've just looked it up as we've been talking, and this is a surprise, you know. It's not the same actress who played oh. Arachnos in the, the TV series, but it is a familiar face from Doctor Who. All right. So it's played by um, Joa Ando. And if you recognize that name, it's because she plays Martha Jones' mum oh right yeah yeah and also wasn't that the name didn't her name crop up last week to do with that halloween thing you know we were saying about we recognized a few names and some we couldn't place i have a feeling she was one of those names we couldn't place at the time so oh the tales of terror yeah audio cd yes yeah 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 gotcha there we go good stuff that's what i've been up to yeah um but i think we should land let's land the old sardis so we can crack on with this rumour that's been doing the rounds. Yes, this is an interesting one. Let's, let's land it. Adam. Gary. Do you watch a TV game show? here in the uk called the chase i have uh i have on occasion watched it yes yeah yeah there's uh there's a, a certain person who hosts said game show uh who's been in the entertainment business for a for a good many years now and i think he was in Corrie for a while as well i believe so yeah oh, i don't no, watch the soaps but someone told me he was yeah, yeah. Uh, so the rumor that's doing the rounds at the moment uh is that bradley walsh believe it or not, has been uh, cast as the new companion to Jodie Whittaker. Right. So this rumour initially started. Now, I'm in two minds about this one. Yeah. And uh, the, the reason why I'm sort of not paying it too much attention at the moment is because of the newspaper that has started or so, you know, supposedly announced this bit piece of news. And uh, Adam and I have, have 
have spoke about this particular rag uh, a few times on the show, and it's the it's the mirror. So it's any anyone that lives in the UK will know of this newspaper. If anyone that doesn't live in the UK, uh, the mirror is one of those uh, sort of tacky um, tabloid gossipy type of papers that will just print anything they're always in trouble they're always getting sued by people because of false stories and they're always in trouble basically but for some you know miraculously they're still going um so they they announced this on tuesday so yesterday we're recording this on wednesday so back on tuesday they announced this that the new the new companion will be bradley walsh and uh yeah, uh, initially I took it with a huge pinch of salt. I was like, yeah, yeah, mm. the mirror, the mirror. But then, although the BBC haven't confirmed it, uh, there's been no sort of let up in the amount of exposure that this has got. No. And Bradley Walsh himself hasn't denied it. And, you know, nobody's come out and said, you know, this is completely infactual, it's not happening. So uh, what do you reckon, mate? Uh, Bradley Walsh then, uh, as a companion? Yeah, I'm like you. I when I first saw this, I I completely dismissed it. I was like, oh, don't be silly. Um because mainly I know him, I associate him as being a game show host. Um and then it really gathered pace, didn't it, this rumour? It yes. sort of really seemed to be everywhere. And another newspaper of the same sort of quality as the as the mirror um have, have reported it as well. Um and it does seem to be gathering pace. But I don't know. I mean, if it's true. If it's true, I, I'm not, um, I've sort of come around to the idea, actually. I was thinking, because at first I was thinking, like, you know, looking at a picture of the two of them together, I was thinking, I can't really, I can't really see that. can't mm. see that working. But he is quite a good actor, actually. He was, he was in a detective drama a few, actually, it might have been last year or something. But is it Law and Order or Crime and Order? I can't remember. But he's quite good in that. I remember Law watching and Order. A bit of that. Law yeah. and Order, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember watching a bit of that, and he is—he is quite a good actor. So it's—if um, it is true, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't dismiss him just because he's a, a game show host as well, if you know what I mean. But yes. I don't know. I can't really decide really, because um, I sort of see him. He's a bit of a cheeky chap, isn't he? And I could sort mm-hmm. of see him bringing perhaps a comedy, slight comedy edge to it. Um, he's slightly older, you know, person as well. So it would be very different, and that's what we want we know we want to change up don't we We want something new so um if it's true i'm all up for it but i am a bit hesitant i mean because of the source of the rumor as well and i just wonder if maybe he's going to be in the new series but maybe not the new companion if you know what i mean right maybe they've sort of cottoned onto a a rumor but taken it to the next level i don't know because somebody pointed out earlier that they managed to keep Jodie Whittaker's casting secret amazingly. <laughs> so, you know, if this, you know, if this is leaked, then I don't know. There, there's a, there's a lot of doubt there. Let's put it that way, I think. But yeah, if it's true, I can see him working. Um, but it's, yeah, it'll be an unusual dynamic, but that could, that could be a plus. So right. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm still not convinced. I'll be honest with you. Um, because you think of all the Chris Marshall stuff that was in the press about Chris Marshall being the new doctor. And I mean, they were so confident, weren't they? Yeah. Um, So I don't know. We'll see. Nothing from the BBC on this yet. No, they haven't confirmed anything. Nobody's confirmed uh, any of this yet. What Um, do you think though? Could they, do you think they'd be a good partnership? I I just can't decide. I look at the two pictures and I'm like, 
I don't know. He just seems a bit sort of overbearing in terms of his personality. I don't, don't know. Maybe. I mean, this if it's true, and he he, he is indeed the new companion, mm. uh, I think it could be quite good. I, I do think because he, I, I know he's he's known mainly as as a as an entertainer and a game show uh, host and presenter and so on. Mm. Uh, but he has done some fairly decent. He has done some fairly decent acting stuff over the years. Um, he yeah. So the Law and Order stuff is 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 very good. He's very good yeah. in that. Uh, and when he was in Corey, I don't watch it. The same as you, I don't watch. No, Sage, I don't but watch it. No. Apparently, he was. He was quite good as um as a cheeky chappy in Coronation Street, yeah. Uh, and let's not forget, he has appeared in a couple of episodes of the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. See, now um I'd completely forgotten this. In fact, I don't think I've seen that episode because um yeah, it it, it doesn't ring any bells to me. I don't remember seeing him in it. So there are some Sarah Janes I haven't seen. So I I haven't seen him in that. Hmm. Um, in fact, I might dig that out and because uh, I've got them all, might dig that out and have a look. Yeah, so. he was in the episode The Day of the Clown. Oh, which he, series is that out of interest? Uh, series two. Okay. Yeah. And uh, apparently, again, he was good in that. So he has got a link to, to Doctor Who, albeit, you know, throughout, you know, through another show spinoff. But mm-hmm. so he's had some exposure to it. But uh, I, I do think that if it's true, because the whole thing does smack a little bit of the whole Catherine Tate casting announcement as well. Mm. When she was announced as being in the show. Everyone thought that, yeah, she's just a, you know, a comedy actor and, you know, she does the whole entertainment thing and she's not a serious actor and she can't, you know, she would be very ill-suited, you know, to being in Doctor Who and everybody hated that idea. And so it does, it does feel a little bit like the whole Catherine Tate thing. Yeah, it does a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. However, I think it could, I think it could work. I think it could Mm. be very cool. Um, because he's not that cheeky, like he doesn't come across anymore these years as that very sort of yeah, energetic. Because he's nearly sixty years old. Let's be honest, is he fifty-eight? Oh, right. I think he is. So hmm. I think the dynamic might be a bit better now. Now he's matured a little bit, and his acting chops have, in, have improved over the years, and so on. So I think it could be quite good. But you know, time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Once these, if it is true, once these things leak they do tend to get confirmed pretty quick. So I would imagine by this time next week, we'll either be saying, blimey, it was true. Or we'll be saying, go that blimmin' newspaper. Exactly. Why do we, yeah, yeah, why do we listen to it? Yeah, so we'll see. We'll probably have an answer next week. Yeah, so there you go. Bradley Walsh, potentially the mm. future companion to uh, the 13th Doctor. Yeah. Potentially. That's going to do for news. There's literally nothing else knocking around in the, no. the Hooniverse. At the moment, so let's shall we let him in? <laughs> Go on then. All, all I can see is the the lonely eye stalk <laughs> looking through the window. She see what he's got. <laughs> Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Our fans down under. Yes, we, well, we have a few. We Sammy Satine springs yeah. to mind. Yeah, hello, Sammy. We have a few uh, Australian uh, listeners. So you guys will love this. Uh, there's a, a popular uh, fan scene, fan magazine um, that's been uh, alive and well uh, down under for a few years since the 80s, I think. 
uh, called Data Extract, um, which is the Doctor Who fanzine, um, the Doctor Who Club of Australia basically put out this um, uh, magazine, which is self-published. It's nothing to do with the uh, with the Beeb or the equivalent over there, as far as I'm aware. Um, but they're going to shove all of the first 100 issues uh, into a collected volume, which is cool. Mm. So uh, the little bit of uh, blurb that we have on this. So for the first time since their original release, the first 100 issues of the fanzine have been reprinted and collected in one hardcover volume. Uh, relive the heady days uh, of the past, from Tom Baker's departure to the end of the classic era into the wilderness years. It's all here, presented exactly as it was. Uh, and it features interviews with John Pertwee, Sylvester McCoy, John Freeman and Jeremy Bentham. And it's got uh, history through the eyes of Australian fandom across the first 100 issues. Now, this sounds really cool to me. It does, mate. And, I, you know, I've never heard of this before. Like um, when it popped up on the on the news site and you put it in there, I was thinking, what's this then? Because, hmm. yeah, I've never heard of this. Um, I like the fact it sounds like they're, you know, really dedicated to it. I love I love it when these little fanzines, you know, gather pace and, and they have a lot of effort put into them, which this one sounds and looks like it does. So, yeah, it sounds interesting. I mean, the covers, if this is the cover to the actual thing, yeah, issues one to 100. It's, um, what do you call it? the unearthly child but when they get to the skull bit <laughs> it's that isn't it it's it when is. they're trapped in the in the skull cavern um so yeah very interesting um i i would love to just have a flick through this so just um to see what it's actually like because i've never heard of it but sounds good it does sound good yeah so i've yeah. heard of the doctor who club of australia uh but i didn't know that they put out this um this very cool looking fanzine so that's good uh, and i think it's available now uh, and I'm not sure what it's going to be in Australian dollars, but if you wanted to get it, it ships globally. If you wanted to get it here in the UK or anywhere else, uh, it's about £30, which I think is really good because it's 500 pages hardcover. Wow. <laughs> uh, so that's really, really good. Uh, so, yeah, Doctor Who fanzine collection uh, called Data Extract. Uh, all the first 100 issues. So that's really good. Nice one. Okay, what else has he got on his on his tray? Good is uh, right. A new Doctor Who special that's um, that slipped out a little bit under the radar. Actually, I don't know about you, mate, but hmm. um, I just popped into my local news agency the other day. I always do just to see if there's anything, um, and I was really shocked to see this cover on the shelf. Uh, so it's called uh, "Referencing the Doctor," and I was like what's this? <laughs> uh, I didn't like, cause I get Doctor Who magazine every month and I don't remember seeing this in there, but it's actually quite a nice little special. It just basically goes into um, Doctor Who in print over the years and all the different references that were gathered up. Now, two things I'll say about this special. First of all, the, it sounds dull, <laughs> but, for, <laughs> but it, and also the cover it looks dull. But I'll tell you what, take those two things away and trust me, it's a really nice little special, this. It's full of loads of pictures of all the different books, magazines and all this sort of stuff to, to go along with all the stuff that they're referencing in this actual <laughs> referencing book, if you like. So it's a great little special um, and it's like not a bad price. It's only five ninety nine as well. Um, it's just that the sort of what do you call the little synopsis that it has about what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And as, as I said, the cover really doesn't do it justice. The cover is just a picture of P2 
Peter Capaldi looking a bit pensive, isn't it? Yeah, um, it just it's... looks really boring and it sounds really dull. But trust me, I, I got this, didn't even really look at it, just got it, um, got home and started reading it. And I was like, this is great. This is really good. So don't be put off by the cover now. It's a great little, great little pickup, this one. Yeah, I was. Um, I must admit, I think the cover looks terrible oh, for this. It's such a shame. I mean, I don't because there's so many nice pictures inside as well. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Um, yeah, yeah it just I don't know. It's as if they sort of put it together, and it's quite a good size as well. It's quite a good six special because sometimes they're nine ninety nine. They're specials, aren't they? And I was thinking yeah. this is quite yeah. good because it's quite a six special. Um, and this one's only five ninety nine. But yes, yeah, as if they sort of put it all together and they did all this lavish productions of all these photographs that they've dug out of the archives of all the different books and covers. And then they, they were like, oh, we haven't got a cover for the magazine. Oh, bung Peter Capaldi on the front. He's the, you know, he's the doctor. So yeah, it's a shame. It, it doesn't do it justice, but it's a good special. Oh, cool. I, I would have liked to have seen all of the doctors on there because it references print from way back, doesn't it? From Yeah, it goes everything. right back. Yeah. Everything. It's, it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, so... Anyways, it's available anyway, now. It yeah. is, yeah. I would go and grab it. Go and grab it while it's out there on the shelf. Five ninety nine. Can't go wrong. Cool. Uh, lastly, in merch, I like these. Oh yeah, so do I. <laughs> I love it when little things like this come out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, I didn't even hear about it through the usual merchandise channels either. I follow a guy called Clay Hickman on Twitter. Yes, me too. Yeah, and he was he's um he's kind of embedded himself into the whole. Uh, sort of graphic and illustration um, business the last couple of years. And uh, he was tweeting out some designs that he did for these covers. And I was like, whoa, these look very, very cool. They do look nice, yeah. So on the radar, coming up later in the year, I think it's September? Yeah, September. Um, The two classic stories, The Daleks from the Hartnell era and Survival from McCoy, uh, are getting their own dedicated soundtrack release. Mm -hmm. Nice. Which is awesome because, as everyone knows, if you follow um, follow us on Twitter, we're huge fans of all of the music from, well, most of the music from from Who. Um, mm. I always listen to Who pretty much every day when I'm working or or whatever. Um, and it's great that we've got the the one um, album or collection that I listen to the most is you know they did the 50th anniversary. Yes. Um, cd which is four cds i think and it just had you know uh, a couple of tracks from each episode all the way through who um but what i love about these is that you get the entire soundtrack for that story um mm. across i think it's a i think they're two discs each um, is it all oh, right okay i thought it was just single i uh, might be wrong oh uh, sorry my mistake sorry one cd but they do have um loads of tracks it's like over 30 tracks um for the story um well, the Daleks has got over 30 tracks. Survival has got 24, but um, it's really cool. And I know that the the um, the Beeb have experimented with this before because we have dedicated soundtracks to the Caves of Androzani and right. Ghost Light, I believe. Ghost Light, yeah. And yep. Was it the Crotons? The Crotons, the yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're really, really good because when you stick it on and you start listening, it takes you through the story because they're mm. played in chronological order as you would watch the, the episode, they play it from, you know, how it's used in the story. You can kind of sort of subliminally play the episode in your head as mm. you're listening to the soundtrack, which is awesome. So I can't wait for these. They're going to be out uh, middle of September the 15th and they will be uh, £12. 
not bad, is it? Not bad. Um, like you, I heard about these um, first when when Clayton Hickman tweeted the covers, and I was like, oh, what are these? Um, that's why I meant earlier when I said I love it when these things pop out of nowhere because um, those soundtracks you mentioned before, the Kays of Androzani, Crotons, and Ghostlight, um, we haven't had anything like that for a while. They'd kind of died off, and mm. then the whole music license was taken away from silver screen for certain things like the new series, I think. So I was thinking that might be the end of these nice full soundtrack collections. So I'm really chuffed um, that these are getting released. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm excited for both, um, but ever so slightly more excited for the survival soundtrack because I don't Mm -hmm. believe we've ever had the full lot before. We've had little bits and bobs, like you said, like on the 50th, um, like the somewhere else, t- the tea's getting cold tracks on the 50th and that. So it'll be really nice to have the whole lot, you know. So, yeah, yeah these are these are must-haves. I can't, I'm really looking forward to getting these. Yeah, and what they typically do is um, on that 50th anniversary set, they sometimes bundle some of the episode tracks into like, they call it the suite, like the survival That's suite, right. stuff like yeah. that. Whereas yeah. this will be nice to actually listen to it from start to finish, so... Yeah, and it always gets me as well that, and somewhere else the tea's getting cold. That when I hear that piece of music as well, um, I don't know why it just. Well, I don't know why because it's the you know the end of an era, if you like, you know, and it was yeah. that one lovely little scene written by, um, uh, Andrew Cartmel. Andrew Cartmel. Yeah, it's just a beautiful little scene, isn't it? And yeah, it's funny. It's it's, it's exactly what you just said, isn't it? As soon as you hear that bit of music, you instantly picture the two of them walking into the walking away into the greenery don't you yeah 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 Yeah. so this is really cool i really i love it when they do this because the music of doctor who is just as important as all the other Mm. stuff that we talk about so when they release their own you know the the fact that they're still releasing classic doctor who you know in 2017 is a a good thing so uh, you can pre-order it from amazon as well as you know it's probably a bunch of other places that will other websites that will do it. And I imagine it will pop up on iTunes and Spotify and stuff as well. So yeah, September. Mm, I hope we get some more. I hope it's like the start of uh, a few of these, if you know what I mean. I'd love to see some more of these come out. So yeah, yeah. definitely getting them. Nice covers as well. Clayton's done a really nice job, hasn't he, on both of them? Clay, yeah, really they, good. They both look good. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's Kick time. him out. It's time. <laughs> oh, he's gone. <laughs> Oh, is he, yeah, yeah, he doesn't he, hang around, does he? He dropped the tray and went. <laughs> I think he's fed up with the abuse, like the weekly, <laughs> the weekly <laughs> abuse. Right. Now, time has come for us to wade into a story mm. that Adam's been putting off for many, many months, for years, in fact. Yeah, I remember last year people were like, when are you going to review Nightmare and Silver? And I was like, oh, I don't know, 2020? <laughs> 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 when's, when's the last show? We'll put it in there. <laughs> yeah. So it is time to do it. We've mm. got to get into it. Let's see what see what's cracking. What are we doing this week? Yeah, so this week it is the 11th Doctor story, Nightmare in Silver. Hedgewick's World, the biggest and best amusement park there will ever be. It closed down. Reports of people just vanishing. Don't need to panic, my young friends. We all know there are no more living Cybermen. Attack formation, quickly! Don't wander off. Oh. Take defensive position. Hail to you, the Doctor, saviour of the Cybermen. 
There we are. Oh, there's that theme that we never got released. I still love the bass in that one. It's very classic-y. Yeah, I wonder why that never got bunged on the soundtrack. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, Nightmare in Silver came out in 2013 Mm. in May. So what's that, five years ago? Yeah, well, nearly, yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, written by Neil Gaiman Mm. and directed by Stephen Wolfenden. Saying that right, Wolfenden, yes. And it featured a usual TARDIS team of the Doctor and Clara. In tow, there was the two little bratlings mm-hmm. and um, uh, a reasonable supporting cast, I would say, in terms of numbers, not quality. Mm. We'll come on to that. And the plot is thus, the Doctor is has landed on uh, this planet where this apparently the universe's largest theme park is there, Hedgewick's World of Wonders. And uh, Clara's also taken these, um, uh, the two kids that she's, you know, she's a nanny, isn't she, at this point in the show for for this family. So the two kids, they discover that she's, I think it was in the last episode or the one before, they discover that she's some crazy time-travelling lady. Um, And... uh, so they're in tow. They get there. The whole thing's shut down. There's uh, some military dudes running around. Apparently what's happened is uh, there's been this huge fallout where the Cybermen have attacked um, a, a nearby uh, galaxy or constellation, whatever. They've blown the whole thing to, to smithereens. Um, and they've also sort of kept the Cybermen at bay for thousands of years, whatever. Uh, unfortunately for the Doctor and, the, and his team, um, the little cyber mites, not cyber mats, the cyber mites. Cyber mites. Yes, they are still at large. Um, and they've waited for children, apparently, to to wander onto this planet because the cybermen are after the, the, uh, the, the huge potential of a growing human's mind. So they've uh, started converting people. And it's up to them to fight back and and destroy the onslaught of the new Iron Man esque Cybermen. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I think we all know what what your answer is going to be, mate. But what do you think to Nightmare in Silver? Well, <laughs> I mean, you you said last week there are episodes that. You know, you think you don't like, and then you go back and watch them, and they blossom into this. You like seeing them through a different pair of eyes. <laughs> An example of that would be, um, <laughs> forgot the name of it, Midnight. That's the one. <laughs> didn't like that Midnight, on viewing. Yeah. Absolutely loved it the second time around. Couldn't believe that I didn't like it. I'm sorry to say that has not happened with this story. And um, I want listeners to know that I genuinely did go into this with an open mind. I did not. I mean, as much as I thought I hated it, I did not put it in and sort of sit there thinking, oh, God, you know. I thought, no, I have not watched this for ages. I don't think I like it, but, you know, let's bang it on. Sometimes these things, you know, they they improve with age or whatever. And so I put it on, um, and it it, it didn't improve. If anything, it was worse. It's it's just a complete mess (laughs) of a story. Um, And I'll, I'll be honest with you, the first... First five or ten minutes, I was almost 
almost convinced that I might might be changing my opinion because there were a couple of bits at the start. If you take away the annoying kids, there right. were a couple of bits at the start I quite liked. Okay. Like, um, for for example, Jason Watkins as Webley, this this guy who's got collected all these little bits. I was like, oh, forgot he was in it. Mm-hmm. He's a great actor. He's he seems like quite a nice little character. This is quite interesting. He's got this. Um, old cyber well he's got one of the rtd cybermen playing chess this is quite creepy um it's a little bit like um uh, one of the big finish stories which name escapes me so i was thinking okay hang on maybe this isn't bad and there's a couple of bits that jumped jumped made me jump and um yeah i was thinking all right i'm going along with this forget the annoying kids you know some good stuff going on but after those initial 10 minutes mate i was it the story and everything just unravels and i was i was literally clawing the the, the sofa arm by by the end of it i'll tell you i was just like this is rubbish i really yeah so <laughs> let's just sum up my initial thoughts by saying i don't enjoy this one and, and the thing is i can now say that with confidence because you know i have given it another chance and i genuinely did give it another chance and i i yeah i just think it's a mess and even Matt Smith, who normally can save these things for us, and we've said it many a time, even Matt Smith can normally save us an episode, but even he can't save this. In fact, we'll get on to him later, but even even he didn't seem to be on particularly great form, I didn't think, um, especially with the dueling personality thing that was going on. Um, so, yeah, I'll stop rambling now and just say, yeah, didn't really enjoy this one, mate. What about you? <laughs> y- 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 yes, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't enjoy it much either. No. Even did you the... enjoy it the first time round though? Because I mean, I I hated it when it when it first aired. I I didn't like it. Not but really. Did, did, no. Have you ever have you has there ever been anything about it that you've thought, ah, oh, well that's that's all right. You know, it's not that bad. Or, or has it always been one that's just sits in that pile with Forest of the Night and Sleep the More of just being a clanger. Yeah, I mean, I mean. I'm in that camp, really. I've never really enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, and it's definitely never been one that I've reached for to rewatch when I thought to myself. I mean, unfortunately, it's a little bit of a a thing with Series 7. Yeah. You know, I never gravitate towards that one naturally if I want to watch the Matt Smith, unfortunately. But this one in particular, it is, there's a lot of things wrong with it and not a there lot of a- right unfortunately yeah. <laughs> uh like you i really enjoyed the first few minutes if you take out the extremely annoying kids that are in tow if you yeah even if you take them out of the equation and ignore them for a moment uh the the story does set up you know it's a quite a cool intro it is where we yeah. do we see um weebly and uh jason watkins is playing that really well and uh you know, we there's not a lot of time hanging around. We're into the story quite quickly, where he shows us into his little uh, sort of oddness, you know, collection of oddness and all these weird aliens, figures and all that stuff. And then very quickly we get exposed to uh, the, the Cyberman, who's sort of sitting there motionless apparently. Uh, and then we very quickly get introduced to the Emperor or Porridge, as he's more commonly known throughout the episode, Warwick Davis. So all these sort of main story elements and characters are revealed quite early on, and it doesn't hang mm. around, doesn't stand on ceremony, and we get into it quite quickly. And I, 
yeah, like you, I thought, oh yeah, this is, I, you know, I, I'm not thinking this is amazing, but I think I was thinking this is pretty good actually. I forgot about this yeah. opening, but but then it just very quickly, as 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 quickly as it, it you know impresses with its first sort of five minutes, it then very quickly just dives downhill, and it doesn't pick itself up again. <laughs> throughout That's the entire all. story and it's very weird because mm. we've seen episodes in the past where you know it, it or maybe even the opposite where it doesn't really start strong but then it picks itself up or there's a particular character that just makes up for some of the faults in the story but with this one mm. i don't know it just it very it's it's very similar to sleep no more it, you know it's almost like mark gattis and neil gaiman are like oh you know, competing for like, you know, the worst story <laughs> um, in, a, in a Who series. And yeah, it just doesn't redeem itself. Even it, right it, to the end, it's just, you're looking for it. You, you, you're looking for that one thing that's going to pull it out of the the mess, but it just doesn't materialize, does it? No, it doesn't. And it makes you wonder where it all went wrong because, um, yeah, that's the start. You know, I think uh, Stephen Moffat said his... his um, sort of basis was to Neil Gaiman, we need to make the Cybermen scary again. You know, I mm. think he's quoted as saying that, you know, he's, he's told Gaiman, let's make the Cybermen scary again. And I think for the first 10 minutes, they do, even though they're the awful RTD ones, they, there is a couple of bits where they are very jumpy and very scary, I think, in the way they're shot. And then there's a, an atmosphere, you know, a creepy atmosphere in that beginning, um, mm -hmm. which um, Silver Turk is the big finish I was trying to think of, oh, yeah. which is a great yeah. audio, a, a great Cyberman story as well. And it, it has that very creepy feeling to it and i think that's why i like that first little bit i was thinking okay this is this is good yeah this is quite scary because you kind of know that even though um webley says ah oh, don't worry there's you know it's just a fake cyberman or whatever it doesn't it's not switch you know it doesn't there's no life in it don't worry even though he says all that you know that it at any minute it's gonna jump out and grab you which it does so that was all good um but then yeah it just unravels and i think well what you know neil gaiman's said um, that he, you know, it is not what he envisaged. What ended up on screen wasn't what he particularly had in mind, or or mm -hmm. even what he wrote to a certain extent. So, so what happened to his vision? Because I would love to know. I've heard I've heard him say that a few times. Neil Gaiman. He's been asked it in interviews. You know what happened with Nightmare and Silver, and he always says that it's not really what he originally wrote. It went through a lot of rewrites. Um, things were changed. You know, he said it himself that he's, he's disappointed with what ended up on screen. Yeah. But I want to know what happened to what was his original ideas there? What, you know, what did get changed? Because what I'm, I suppose I'm saying is, you know, I'm looking at Neil Gaiman thinking, what is this pile of garbage you've delivered? But he's <laughs> turning around and saying, well, it's not really what I gave. So did the mothball interfere with this or did the budget interfere with this or what happened to it to turn it into this complete shambles? Because the Cybermen are absolutely, uh, I think it's one of the worst Cybermen stories. I mean, they're totally redundant in it. They do nothing. They do absolutely nothing in it. I mean, that one that is invincible and speeds up and shoots through people, the super Cyberman, whatever he is is nothing short of ridiculous, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I, I don't know. There's so many things coming in, ideas in this episode just thrown in there that go absolutely nowhere. Um, and one of those big ideas is this new design of the Cyberman. Um, 
we're, you know, we get like hundreds and thousands of them at the end, don't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, where do they even come from? Where, where, where do they suddenly appear from? Are they just waiting in space or, cause I, I, I must admit, I had kind of switched off at this point. So I, I'm sure there's, I'm sure it's in the story there, but I was just like, Oh, suddenly there's a, an army of shiny new Cybermen, uh, bursting in. Where the hell did they come from? I don't know. Because I missed it. I'd switched off. They just suddenly appear and turn up and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I could go on forever just (laughs) about how bad this is and I don't want (laughs) to do that because, you know, I don't want to bore our listeners but but there's a lot of things wrong with it uh, um, in terms of just the the general story, I think. It's, it's, It's not a great Cyberman story, let's put it that way. Even though we get this new design, which I think myself included, I was looking for, when they announced they were going to do a new Cyberman design, I was quite excited about because I've never really taken to the RTD Cybermen mm-hmm. design. I don't know about you. I, it always looked a little bit clunky. Um, so I've never really taken to that. So I heard they were going to do this new design and I was quite excited about it until I saw it. And I don't really think it's any improvement my, personally. Yeah. I, this is a terrific, it's a, a difficult review this one because mm. it's, i think it's going to be really easy for us to just slag it off for oh there's know, yeah. half an hour <laughs> so let's get the bad stuff out the way so i think in general it's just a poor story it's a it's just a poor cyberman story let's just nutshell that shall we mm. which which cyberman design do you prefer though do you like the rtd one or do you like these or do you think they're both a bit rubbish or do yeah. you like either of them? <laughs> no i don't like either of them really you don't no. no i mean the rtd one is probably more i probably favor that one slightly more than i think i do as well the yeah. new one they're not so bad but uh, and the reason for this I've, sp- I've said this a few times before is that the newer ones you can tell that they've taken the inspiration directly from the marvel the, the recent marvel iron man films because the they, they look too similar like the way that the armor's formed and the round piece mm. on the chest and, you know, how the, just how all the different pieces of the, the body armor are, are put together and it's just too similar. So for me, it's, you know, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong at all with advancing the design and updating them as the series goes along, you know, I'm not against that at all, but it just, it just feels like a direct ripoff of Iron Man. You know, and it's mm. if you took Iron Man, painted him silver, and then put the bars on the head, you would end up with the new Cyberman, pretty much identical. Yeah. If you put them it's, side by side, you know, it's so obvious. And I, I've got to get this off my chest. I've just got to go. I, I, I cannot stand the stomping either. <laughs> hey! Oh, I do love that ramp button. There we go. <laughs> oh, no, I just had to get off a chest because I, I can't stand it. The, the, I mean, the, the, old, the RTD ones do it, the, the new design do it. This blimming, stomping Cybermen. I mean, they're never going to creep up on anyone, are they? <laughs> like, yeah, every time they... You know, I think even the one that goes supersonic fast does it initially. But, yeah, yeah there's, there's just... Yeah, like you said, there's the design, the sound, the voices sound like they're gargling mouthwash. Just you know, Briggsy doing something with that. Yeah, there's just nothing about about them I can say positive. I'm afraid. No, uh, and it's it's exciting 
the concept of the story because when you when you hear the moth say things like you know we want to make the cybermen scary again that to me sounds like an amazing story mm. however the execution and the script and the story it's never going to make them scary again never not when you have a story like that because it's too it's not dark enough it, it doesn't have any if you if we fast forward to uh, the the finale two-parter of Capal for Capaldi. Mm. They were scary Cybermen. I think the moth redeemed himself there. True. Because if we yeah, think yeah. back to the penultimate episode where um, Bill is in the hospital with the cyber patients and, you know, that's quite creepy and really dark. Mm. And that's what we should have had in this story. Yeah. We should have had that real creepy threatening sinister rise of the cybermen again but instead what we what we've got is it's like i'll tell you what it's like for me anyway neil gaiman had this because neil i don't know if you've seen any of neil gaiman's other stuff or, oh yeah i mean he's, he's done loads of books and stardust and yeah, yeah he's a very prolific writer yeah yeah um and there's there's a, a series that I've been watching recently on um, Amazon called American Gods, uh, which is written by Neil Gaiman. And it's very, very dark and twisted. And, mm. you know, so, and some of the, some of his other stories as well are very dark and very sinister and quite horror-like. So he's absolutely capable of making a, a dark, scary Cyberman story. Absolutely. So it's a bit like he's, he initially wrote this really cool story. And I think this answers your question earlier when you said, what happened? What happened to this potentially cool script to what we saw mm. on the screen? And I think what might have happened is he would have came up because he went through quite a few drafts and rewrites of this. Yeah. Probably, you know, at the request of the moth or somebody. So I think he did initially come up with a very cool Cyberman story. But then somebody's turned it into like the Lego version <laughs> of that story, if, if that makes sense. They've made it sort mm. of more child-friendly. And I don't mean, you know, it was... I know, I'm not insinuating that his initial script or story was this horrific, you know, gory horror story or anything like that. But it sounds like the, somebody has interfered and said, you know, we need some... Because there's children in it and children are going to be watching it, we need to make it a bit more child-friendly and a bit more PG and mm. um, and all that stuff. Yeah, I think you may be right there. It's as if they've sort of thought he probably may well have delivered something a bit more, um, a bit more like uh, World Enough and Time, where you know, very creepy atmosphere. And then at this point, with Series Seven being this whole movie-style adventure every week, I think is what they were going for, weren't they, with yeah. the posters and all that? Mm -hmm. You know, somebody said, "No, we need to sort of lighten this up. We've got to make this a bit of a tea time adventure." You know, we'll have all the creepy stuff, we'll have a few jumpy moments, but we'll have a lot of fun. And they've, yeah, they've probably injected all this fun in, in inverted brackets into it. Yeah, and it's probably yeah. completely. Um, got rid of all the sort of suspense and, and story that Gaiman perhaps had in there. I mean, I'm only, you know, we can only assume, you know, we may never know, but, you know, yeah. we, we know, we certainly know that he went through a few different drafts before getting mm -hmm. to where we were yeah. on this one. Yeah. It's a bit like though, you know, remember when the moth decided to reinvent the Daleks and we got the paradigm. Oh God. 
It's as if he did the same thing again. He sort of thought, let's, yeah, I'm going to reinvent the Cybermen. And he just completely noshed it up again. Yeah. Oh, that was the, the very plasticky yellow and blue and yeah. red Daleks, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Bloody hell. So yeah, could, I mean, he did try, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same thing with this. I think he had good intentions, but yeah, he just didn't get it right. Somebody just railroad, railroaded, road railed, railroaded uh, the entire thing into just this mm. bumbling, you know, just very, very below average story. And so the, the Cybermen themselves, let's agree that they're just not threatening at all. There's only two scenes to me where I thought they were quite creepy itch, and that was the where he detaches his hand and it ends up launching on, you know, it sort of launches itself onto the soldier's face. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was quite good. And the other scene where it uses his head as like a decoy and then it turns up headless behind that soldier and, and knocks him out. And then you see him just in the shadows reattaching its head. Those kind of things were, were okay. But the rest of it, they're just not in the story enough. They're, then this type of story, if you're going to bring them back and redesign them and make them scary again, they need to be, along with the Doctor, they need to be the focal point of the story. But mm. you just don't see them enough. And when you do see them, there's just this laughable, like the first scene where they had this like bullet time matrix effect where everybody's in, you know, supposedly at a standstill. And this one Cyberman is like blurring through the scene because he's moving so fast. I mean, there's no explanation as to how he can, all, all we know is he's been up, he's been upgraded, mm. you know, and it just looks terrible. I mean, we'll come on to the direction and some of the stuff in a minute, but the Cybermen themselves for me are just, dreadful in this because they're non-threatening and they're just not in it enough <laughs> to provide any threat and it's weird isn't it that concept that they came up with of having this thing that they they advance so much that they can constantly upgrade mm. so they're almost invincible basically and i think that's a really strange thing to do because if you make something invincible where can you go with that apart from blow it up you know, it's, mm. it's, it's like every story just going to end with them. Oh, we'll blow them up because you, if you can't defeat something apart from blowing it to pieces, I don't know. It's just a very strange concept. I thought that. Yeah. Well, I think that was, that was another, <laughs> another thing wrong with the story was this narrative that we, that I think what it's kind of saying is it's, it's like the Spider-Man thing with great power comes great responsibility because they have these, you know, these bombs don't they that can destroy in, a, in you know the whole planet but mm. throughout the entire story they're always told no you can't do it the doctor says quite firmly you know do not blow this planet up and, yeah and the emperor porridge also says you know i you know i'm telling you ordering you you cannot blow the planet up and so on but yeah but the story sort of puts itself in a bit of a twist a bit of it's, it knots itself up because the only way to defeat these invincible cybermen at the end of the story is to blow the planet up, which they've been telling them not to do for the entire story. Yeah. I know. But before we put the side men to bed, I mean, I've just got to say as well, you said about the fact that they're hardly in it. So we finally get the reveal of these new Cybermen and they come bursting in and they almost get their hand round Clara's throat. And then they just, what happens? They get switched off or something. They just suddenly stop. So it's, yeah. again, they do absolutely nothing. 
at all. Like there's no threat whatsoever from the new guys, and they should have been coming in. You should, you know, they should have been bursting through, and you'd be like, whoa, 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 what's this new Cyberman? You know, but no, they they just fall really flat. They do, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I just want to quickly ask you, what do you think of the cyber mites? Because obviously we had the cyber mats, which I think, you know, I love it. I love a cyber mat, me, especially a Revenge of the Cyberman one. Um, but this one, we get the cyber mites. What do you reckon to them? Yeah, it's just an unnecessary thing for me. I didn't think you'd like them. I'm. It's one of the few things I didn't mind, actually. Might surprise you. I, I didn't mind them because I have a thing. I always find things that, you know, creep around like that quite eerie and it sort of puts me in the mind of like star trek and the wrath right. of khan where he's like putting bugs in people's ears and stuff so if anything i thought okay yeah i can i can kind of work with the cyber mites i think they're a bit creepy because they can you know get into places but yeah i didn't i had a feeling you wouldn't like them and yeah. i don't think a lot of people do i mean i wouldn't say they're great but i didn't yeah, I didn't mind them. It's one of the few positives I've got on my pad. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to throw a positive in there because I haven't got many. I see what you mean. Yeah, for me, yeah. they're just not. They're not different enough from the Cybermats. Mm. They're just a bit smaller versions. They're just of smaller. Yeah. yeah, if they had a different, you know, a, a different design, or if they could fly or something, or or something, I don't know. But all they are is just, you know, sort of third of the size of a Cybermat, just without the the mustache. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't get me wrong. I don't. Don't lose sleep over them, but uh, they're just yeah. better than better than the cyber shades. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we'll agree on that. Uh, sure. One thing I did like about them is mm. that, well, one thing that I didn't like, which was I, I I'm sure I'm ninety nine percent sure this is a moth thing, where we see one of them floating around in space at the end. It's like moth, let it go. Oh, is that what it was? Do you know I've got that yeah. written on my pad. What was that at the end? Yeah, it's a little cyber mite. Oh, it's just because it's close up. Because I thought yeah. it was a cyber ship, or yeah. so it's a it's a cyber. It's just a cyber mode, but it's close to the camera. Yeah. So it's it, oh. it's again the moth just not letting something go. Still there, it, right? It, right. Know. So that mm. that niggled me, but I, I didn't think they were that bad. I quite like the fact that uh, we saw like the point of view of the cyber mites. You know, their sort of electronic view. Yeah, yeah. And stuff that was quite cool. cool. And uh, but yeah, they're just a bit me. Mm. I'm glad you've cleared that up though, because I I must admit I didn't I didn't realise I, I didn't know what that was meant to be at the end because it does kind of it could have done with a few extra seconds to let it sink in because the camera sort of rolls across and you see there's something else in space it just cuts to the credits doesn't it and I was like mm -hmm. what what was that yeah so that's a cybermite okay yeah so let's put the cybermen thing to bed yeah it, let's just write them off basically they're just not <laughs> they're just not any good. I can't think of one apart from the two scenes that I mentioned and even you know they're not like amazing Cybermen moments you know there's just not one scene where you think crikey these lot they're how are they going to get out of it these are just too threatening there's, I can't think of one no, Cybermen were rubbish in this I can see Dalek tap through the window jumping up and down saying yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're still the best where's the yeah, we're the best yeah. tin monsters <laughs> um so Sidemen equals rubbish in this one. Yeah, it's not a good Sidemen story. I want to talk very quickly about the direction and the production and so on. Yeah, okay. And I want yeah. to say that I think it's absolutely dreadful. I, I think the direction, the editing, and just the overall production values are just 
terrible in this absolutely dreadful which is a shame because all the other stories in this in this series because they were going for that big cinematic mini movie yeah kind of feel on on this one which is a follow-on from series six i think it looks absolutely awful it looks a lot of the scenes look like it was filmed on an iphone (laughs) i think that the the direction is awful it looks like a documentary there are no mm-hmm. exciting camera angles. There's no sweeps. There's no uh, sort of um, uh, sort of tension or any kind of cinematic techniques used to convey story and how it moves along. It looks like a, it looks literally like somebody's turned up with one camera and just pointed it at their faces while they talk, and then they go off and do. It looks it, it just feels awful. And then the editing is completely by the numbers there's no exploration or experimentation with editing to make the story you know flow better or anything like that and some of the effects like when matt smith is in his the scenes where it's in matt smith's mind and you've got two matt smiths the cyberman one and it the effect is awful i mean how have they bodged that up like the effect of it around his hair and just the color the the color grading as well it all looks completely dreadful. I mean, I don't know how this has even got through. <laughs> I, they literally must have run out of time because I tell you what, if there's no way that anyone else would have let, let that through to the final product, you would have gone, well, if that was me, I'd have gone, take that all back, <laughs> re-edit it, recolor grade it, and sort those bloody effects out. I mean, even the scene where the Cyberman's running through the scene, like, you know, the super fast Sonic Cyberman. Yeah, yeah. The blur effect, that's like an off-the-shelf um, effect that they've bought for, like, Adobe After Effects or something, it, you know, that someone's done on their PC, you know, yeah. overnight. It just looks, the whole thing for me, I, I'm telling you, mate, really disappointed me a lot when I watched this. At the end of it, I thought, what a waste of money and time this episode was. <laughs> Crikey. Yeah, but it, I, I, I will agree with you, especially about the stuff in Matt's, uh, when he's fighting with Mr. Clever, all that. I was thinking, blimey, this looks like, like you said, something. someone's um, spent the afternoon on Movie Maker uh, doing this. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, didn't look great. It's weird, isn't it? Because Series 7 seemed to have um, very good production values mm-hmm. from my memory. I mean, we've watched a few of them, haven't we, to review, and... Um, most of them, I think, stand the test of time. Uh, I know we haven't reviewed um, Asylum of the Daleks yet, but I recently saw that beginning bit, the CGI, where we go up the giant Dalek statue into the iron. I was thinking, yeah, you know, Series 7, they were really trying to go for it um, yep. Yep. with the budget. Um, and it's funny because being a Cyberman story, you'd assume that they would set aside a decent amount of budget for it. Um, but if they did, I will agree with you, it doesn't show. And it's funny because I remembered in my head that at least the beginning bit with the TARDIS landing on the moon. I thought, <laughs> I thought, oh, I remember that, you know, it was really, looked really good, even mm-hmm. though it's a fake moon. And just remember sort of just thinking the production was really good the first time I watched it. Um, but even that uh, looked a bit shoddy um, when I watched it the other day. It was like you said, they sort of stare out into this CGI um, Hedrick's adventure park yep. that's all destroyed. Yep. And yeah, it does seem like maybe the budget was slightly thinning um, at this point, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially like they've run the out bit, of it. 
Yeah, so <laughs> I, 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 I have to agree with you. It really, yeah, production, not great. Because this is now the penultimate story, isn't it? Series 7. So next, the next episode was the name of the Doctor, wasn't That's it? Right. Which was kind yeah. of the big... Um, again, I don't think we reviewed that yet. But, Not yet. But I seem no. to remember that had a lot of CGI on the planet and all that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting when we get to that one to see if they saved it all up for the final. But, um, but yeah, I agree with you, mate. It, 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 the production didn't do anything to to enhance my viewing pleasure of this story either. Yeah. Yeah, Reja. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about some cast members. Yes. Um, let's get a few out of the way. <laughs> so the soldiers in the punishment unit. So basically, they've been they've been sent to this planet because j- just to keep them from causing trouble. Essentially, this is like they they've been banished, haven't they? Because they obviously can't do anything because they're just a bunch of lunatics who have somehow managed to end up in the military. Um, yeah, that's the. I didn't get that, and again, I thought perhaps I'd switched off and missed something in the story. But yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't work out what was going on there. Yeah, so we, so we have the captain. We have somebody called Beauty. We have one of them called Brains. One of them's called Ha Ha, and one of them's called Missy. And yeah, so they're all. They're not terrible, you know. They're not going no, they wrong. <laughs> I don't think they're all terrible. I mean, uh. they have a couple of tiny little standout moments, but you know, it's just very below average for for casting on who. It's just yeah, they're very forgettable. The only one that sticks in my mind, that I feel perhaps we could have seen more of, is the ginger guy with the big round specs. There feels like there's a character there. Feels yeah. like there's a geeky character that we might have warmed to had he got a few more lines or a bit more backstory, but, um, but he's the only one that really sticks in my mind and I don't even know what he was called. I've, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on the limb and say that he was called Brains. Right. Yes. Yeah, could well be. Because they kind of stereotypically pigeonholed his look as like the big geeky glasses and so on. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think the chubby one, he's the one, you know, that, sort of acts as a decoy so clara can shoot the crap out of one of them in the underground but i think his mm. name was ha ha and then yeah one of the other ones the the girl that gets the face you know the hand on her face i think that was missy but i don't, I don't know but they're so forgettable um, so forgettable yeah and the captain played by tamsin elthwaite and if anybody does watch soaps she was in east enders for years yeah and uh when my wife because my wife doesn't watch soaps anymore, but when she was watching EastEnders, it was the time when Tamsin Althwaite was in it. And I couldn't stand her in EastEnders. I thought she was a terrible actress. And in this, she's bloody awful. She is, yeah. She's the stereotypical, annoying, mouthy, you know, thinks she's in charge. And Oh, God, I know. Doesn't Dreadful. Work for, it doesn't work for, no. for that actress. I think if they had somebody else potentially playing that character, it might have worked. But she's just, mm. her performance is very... All of them, all of the military people are just very subpar, their performances. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a story where we had a character similar who, who worked not too bad, and I can't remember the actress's name. She was in EastEnders as well. Um, what was it? Uh, what was oh, the, you're 42. Yes. 42, 42. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that worked quite well. That, that, you know, the actress, I'm sure she was in EastEnders as well. I'm pretty she sure. She was. Um, is it uh, Tamsin? Elsewhere? No, 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 no. 
No, that's just, I, know, I know, I can picture her. You know who I mean. Yeah. Yeah, they'll know. Yeah. So that kind of character can work quite well when you have the, the right actress playing it. But for this one, yeah, didn't work. Didn't work for me. Not at all. Not 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 likable, not convincing, not not well acted. Yeah, just yeah. not good. Uh, what about um, Weebly then? Jason Watkins. I thought he started out really oh, well. Oh, I really like him. I, I really like him as an actor. You see, yes. um, and I'm, I'm. I mean, it's a. It just goes to show um, how forgettable he is because he, when I put it on, I was like, "Oh, he's in this." Don't remember <laughs> that, and I like him. Um, I'd have just liked to have seen a bit more of him because once he gets converted, uh, he, he gets absolutely nothing to do. Yes. Um, but yep. uh, Michelle Collins, by the way, was that the other actress oh, we yes. want to think of? Yep. Um, yeah, no, so I'd like to see more of Jason Watkins as Mr. Webley. Uh, again, I felt there that that could have been, his character could have been built up a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a great actor and just very wasted in this, um, unfortunately. But yeah, I liked Webley. And yeah, uh, he could have been good. He could yeah. have been used a lot more because there's one scene where Matt Smith is going to and fro with his two alter egos. Mm. And, um, yeah, Weebly's just wandering around. He's not he's thrown in the odd line, but other than that, he's just there was a there was a couple of scenes that lasted for a couple of minutes or so where he's standing there just motionless. The camera's yeah, on I him. Know, but, yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah. Very I noticed that. I was almost thinking like, yeah, what's going on here? Because he looks quite creepy with his half converted cyber face yeah. and all that. Yeah, totally wasted. I noticed those scenes as well. I was thinking He's just stood there. He's probably thinking, like, should I be doing something? Should I be pressing a button? <laughs> you know, do something. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like you're waiting for him to. Such a good actor, that guy as well. Just totally wasted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, Porridge then? Uh, a wicket from Star Yay. Wars, Mr. Warren your, Davis. What do you reckon on your his? mate? Yeah, I've met him a couple of times. He's uh, oh, he's a lovely guy, isn't he? Really cool guy. Yeah, and you can tell that. He's got bags of experience at this point in his life because I feel like his was one of the better performances, although it wasn't. God, without doubt. Yeah. yeah. Although, again, he's not going to win an Oscar for it. He still had this real sort of calmness and confidence yeah. about his performance. And I really liked his his character in it. What did you think? What do you think to his um, to Warwick Davis then? Because I was really surprised when he was first cast. Firstly, because I thought, how has he gone this long with not being in Doctor Who yet? Mm. Um, and when he was cast, I was like, oh, please don't have him just be in a bloody costume. You know, yeah. he's more than just an Ewok, you know. He's a really, really clever guy. So, yeah, I really enjoyed him in this. One one of the one few things that I liked. That's just what I was going to say. There's, there's not many positives on my notepad, but he's one of them. Because um, I do, again, a bit like Jason Watkins, I, I like... Uh, Warwick Davis anyway he's a great little actor um, and it, it's a nice part for him and to be fair there's not much meat on the bones but what he has got he really grabs and works with because he's really likeable isn't he yes. and you kind of yep. get his character quite quickly of what, who and what he's supposed to be and what he's done and what he doesn't want to do um, so there is a bit more there's a bit more flesh on the bones in terms of his performance compared to the others who um who who don't sort of stand out at all. So no, I really like him in this. Um, I feel you know again a little bit wasted. Um, but but he definitely brings something to the story which it desperately mm-hmm. needs, which is a little bit of heart. Um, and I feel there could have been a bit more between him and Clara. Actually, I thought they could have had some 
there were some nice scenes that could have happened between those two that we don't get mm-hmm. um, in terms of maybe a bit of comedy, a bit of, um, you know, a bit of, um, you know, just, just, just some background stuff uh, between the two of them. Um, but yeah, for me, he's one of the better things in it. And I, I like him in it. Um, I like his character in it. So yeah. and I, it's really weird. I could have sworn I must be remembering it. Well, I am remembering it wrong, but it was getting towards the end, and I kept remember thinking, I thought that he blew himself up at the end. <laughs> I thought that it was all a trick, that once he got rid of people, he then, there was like a twist where he then said, okay, deactivate, and it blew. I don't know why. I totally oh, okay. misremembered that. But it's so strange, because <laughs> I seem to remember it quite clearly, that he, he, it was sort of, he told everyone he didn't need to blow the ship up, but actually he did need to, or I don't know. But... My memory's cheating on me there because that doesn't happen, does it? He actually saves everyone and yeah. just blows out the planet, doesn't it? Maybe it's the whole thing of him transporting to the spaceship and Maybe. I'm getting confused. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, nice little performance from Warwick. And like you said, it's criminal. He's not been in Doctor Who before because it kind of the sort of thing that suits him down to the ground, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. What about. <laughs> I don't want to. I only want to spend 30 seconds on this because. Oh. As you know, we don't like to put down sort of child actors, really. Um, <laughs> but we're gonna. But we're gonna. So Angie and Artie. Oh, um, good lord! Good lord! What can you uh, say? I mean, they're just they're they're dreadful. Let's just say that they're they're dreadful. Um, one thing I will say is that uh, <laughs> art is the lesser terrible if that's possible, because Angie is unbelievably bad. And it's not just the performance of the two kids. You know, I mean, they are young guys, so I don't want to riff into them, but their performances are very bad. But to be mm-hmm. fair to them, the writing and the direction they're given is awful. So yeah. I, I'm not going to put it all on there. But, you know, I'm not going to blame them for everything mm-hmm. because, you know, they're young guys and, yeah, they're okay, their acting's not great. But the way they're written is so unlikable and so cocky and so typical, you just want to, oh, you know, it, it's they're just written as very unlikable little brats. So how are you supposed to even care or warn to these two kids? Like when they're in danger, you know, you don't like them. So, well, yeah, be converted. Maybe it'll make you a bit more polite and grateful, you little brats. You yeah. know, it's just, but they're just written as such unlikable little characters that, in a way, they're doomed from the start, even if they were great before actors, I think. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's like a double whammy against them oh. because the script is terrible for them. It really is, and yeah. And secondly, then they're just not very good in it, unfortunately. Um, and one thing that really did just sort of put the nail in the coffin was when um, Angie wanders off. You know, when they put them, this was ridiculous. You know, when they put them to sleep, supposedly on the sofa in Weebly's world of wonders, you know, so they can go off on the adventure. Um, uh, Angie goes off, doesn't she? She's like, I'm not staying here. This is rubbish. So she goes off. And then when Clara finds out, you know, and goes after them, when they do catch up to him, Angie just, yells at clara and really horrible just mouths to her. off her don't she yeah really mouthy and and just horrible and you think hold on a minute you know why why are you being that way because she's yeah. really attitudey with her and and then for, for me the best part of the story for them two is when they're sort of uh partially um upgraded where they've got the cybermen tech on their faces 
and they're just standing there not doing anything. That's the best part of the of the story. So, oh, it's just not good, not good at all. They they wouldn't no. be out of place in in something like EastEnders, would they? That's they're, they're written as just mouthy, horrible kids that just belong in a soap opera like EastEnders, basically. Yeah, very out of place in Doctor Who. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. terrible. Uh, let's move on to Clara then, the impossible yeah. girl. Oh, the impossible girl. Uh, again, I don't want to dwell too long on this. I'm just going to say that she's not very good in this. I think she's she's very... She, she has this weird way about her in this episode where there's scenes where it's just her and the Doctor are fine. Hmm. I quite like those scenes, like especially when the Doctor's uh, tied to the chair and, you know, he's we have this weird thing where the cyber planner inside the doctor is pretending to be the genuine doctor and he's saying yeah. she's pretty and all that. And then when, you know, there's comic comedic little bits where she says, am I pretty? And he's like, no, you're far too short. And you know, you know, all that stuff is quite funny, yeah. but when she's around the, the military guys and he's put her in charge and stuff, she kind of takes on this weird persona where it, it's like, mom, you know, shall we do this? And she's like, great news for the day right onward you know she she kind mm. of takes on this brigadier kind of persona while she's around the military people and it's just very annoying because it just the whole thing i mean this is going to sound crazy because the whole thing is real unrealistic obviously but mm. the fact that these military people all of a sudden without any argument are told to obey clara's every word you know the doctor takes the in charge uh, pin badge off of the captain and puts it on Clara and then all of a sudden they're like oh, okay cool this civilian who we've never seen before is now in charge that makes sense so let's just do everything that she tells us to do and then she has this weird way with them and she acts strange and she's not funny while she's trying to do it even though her character's trying to be funny I think she was written to be like this you know stiff upper lip brigadier yeah. type of thing and it's just it just doesn't work for me. And I just think, oh, another letdown, another huge hmm. fail in the script. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, that's the thing. I'm not a, a fan of Clara's character anyway, um, especially in the Matt Smith era, because she just is so, um, she just fits the story every week. Um, but I, I must admit, I will be honest, I thought in my mind she was going to be a lot worse in the story because i i remember this whole thing of her being put in charge and being little miss bossy so i was expecting to really hate her in it because obviously i wasn't enjoying the story anyway um i'll be honest she wasn't as bad as i remembered (laughs) and that's not to say she was good but i didn't didn't sort of think she was as, as irritating as um as my mind remembered her to be the first on a first viewing. So yeah, she's not great at it by any means, but uh, I didn't, didn't hate her in it. I didn't, I didn't think she was that bad actually. I'm quite surprised to be saying that, but um, I don't know. I kind of just felt she's doing what Clara does in series seven. She's just, she's suddenly been put in charge of people and she's doing that now. And next week she'll be a nanny again. And then the (laughs) following week she'll be a teacher and it's just like, so she's just being what the story needs. And uh, yeah, I, I I thought she was okay. She wasn't too bad. <laughs> I think maybe I was just expecting a lot worse. I just remember her being very mouthy. Um, and she's not actually, if anything, the, <laughs> the kids kind of put her in her place. But uh, yeah, she was all right. <laughs> she was okay. 
She was okay. Yes. And Matt Smith himself as the doctor. Now you've mentioned earlier that you've, mm. there's a few things you wanted to mention about yeah. his performance. Are you not sold on him in this episode? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And there's, do you know what? There's very few stories when I don't like Matt. Um, because even stories where I don't particularly like the story itself, I normally like Matt in it. I can't think of many stories where I don't like him, even if the story is a bit rubbish. Mm -hmm. But this is one of them. I don't like him in it at all. I don't like his performance, um, especially when he's having to do the 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 dual battle, the dual battle between him and Mister Clever. Um, to me, he's really over the top, and he just doesn't seem comfortable doing it. And um, I don't even think he shines as the doctor in this one. So no, it, it's one of the few stories where I just don't even like Matt Smith in it. And that's saying something because I really like him as the doctor. Um, but not in this, not in this at all. He doesn't, doesn't work for me in it at all. I've got to be honest. Um, it's funny because there is this story, isn't there? Um, I was trying to find it online and I couldn't, but there's this rumor or this, um, thing that that matt smith really lost his lost it filming this uh, i can't say the word because it's a swear word he really <laughs> lost his temper apparently filming this kind of got to the end of his tether if you see where i'm going and yeah yep. had a bit of a threw his toys at the pram i've had enough this isn't working now i don't know if that's true and i can't find anything to back it up but it is something i've heard a few times from people over the years that this was the story that kind of broke him if you like um now as i said i don't know if that's true but watching his performance in this to me he doesn't seem comfortable and i could quite believe it if it's true even if it's been exaggerated over the years um i can believe that he, you know he, he perhaps wasn't happy um with this story because he, he doesn't seem to be uh, his usual brilliant self in it to me and I, I don't like him as the mr clever he's doing this kind of almost caricature evil and it just isn't convincing at all to me when he's like shouting, well, you know, what does he say in the clip you played earlier? Like he's trying to be creepy, isn't he? They're like here, they're here. Yeah, they're here. It's, oh, it's, it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a poltergeist kind of. It's just a caricature thing, of somebody trying to be creepy and evil. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Matt but you don't work for me in this story. Yeah. I, th I thought when, when he said that line, I thought, oh, this is like, um, the, you know, the Poltergeist movie when all the spirits are coming out the TV and the little girl's mm. like, they're here. Yeah. But, but because of the tone of the story that we've had up to that point, it just falls flat because the Cybermen aren't threatening. So him yelling that and trying to be, you know, menacing and, you know, malevolent with it, it's just doesn't work. Because we've had nothing in terms of, oh, right, the Cybermen are here. Okay. Yeah. You know, it just, yeah, I see what you mean. But for me, Matt, I didn't mind his performance. I thought he was okay. But like the to in and fro in between, in his mind, between him and the Cyber Planner, uh, I thought was okay. But it just didn't grab me as much as I was. Because I remember when I first watched this, I thought, you can tell that he's really trying with the script. You know, he's really trying to, because it must be difficult for an actor to, to have to go through the motions of playing, you know, ultimately two, albeit similar characters, two characters in one scene and having to do that over and over again and, and constantly go through it. 
So I can see the struggles that he potentially had with it. But again, that seems to be par. It seems to be like a curse for this story, is that they've tried to do something very cool and tried to do something that you know could maybe have been amazing, but it just doesn't deliver. And you can see that Matt Smith once again is sort of trying to carry the story almost. He's trying to to be like the the front man and all that stuff. Um, but it's funny, isn't it? Because he's it's the sort of thing that if you'd said to me, oh, Matt Smith's going to be dueling himself in his head next week and playing two parts. And it's the sort of thing I can imagine him doing really well. I, I sort of thought yeah. it might push him a bit. And, you know, Matt's a good actor. I just, it's the sort of thing I thought he might just grab with both hands and, and really be good at. Yeah. Um. And it's and he's he's not. He's just very unconvincing. Like I don't for a minute sort of believe that he's fighting with himself. <laughs> it's almost a little bit, almost a little bit laughable to be honest. When he's switching and talking to himself, it's all it's just not convincing at all. Yeah. That's what I thought. I can see exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah. And you can see where they're coming from. And you know, maybe with a different director and a different time, it could have been amazing. You know, Matt Smith could have just shone uh, you mm. know in these scenes but it just doesn't deliver it it just doesn't feel it doesn't work you know and it's a nice little moment it's like when he's when he says you know i've regenerated and we see all the past doctors and that nice little shout out to the classic years and and all that st- i don't know it just oh yeah because we get to see see that's another thing isn't it normally if we get a scene in a dot two episode where we get to see classic doctors on the screen like a bit like in um resurrection of the daleks where the doctor's on the table and they show old clips you're like oh it's always a nice moment or mordrin undead where the brigadier has flashbacks and oh i like this (laughs) you can see the old doctors for some reason it just it's so soulless in this episode isn't it um when we're getting clips of like davison's face and then baker and you know it's just like oh that's the doctors (laughs) it's just like and again it's because it's in that awful mind palace it it doesn't work yeah, I don't yeah. mean, mate. It just doesn't, and I think that's the the curse of this story. Mm. Normally, when we review a Matt Smith episode, it's either very good, or there's one thing that's letting it down, but something else has brought the score back up. And yeah, it's yeah. usually Matt Smith's performance, to be honest, isn't it? It's normally yeah. his performance. If like the script is quite weak, uh, or the you know the production values have been brilliant, but something else very rarely do you get a story like this in my opinion where so many elements are just very poor you know it's and it's hard it's really hard because you know one of the things that a lot of our listeners have said over the years is that you guys give very honest reviews and you try and Mm. see like you know the good in some of the poorer aspects of doctor who but when you have stories like this it's very difficult to try and hunt out the and there are some good stuff about you know the concept is really good um uh warwick davis is very good in it um and some of murray gold's music is okay a lot of it just you know just sort of gets lost i can't remember a single bit of how you know i can't recall his music from it but i do it does play in the cybermen theme quite a lot yes you know he does 
bring that out. But again, that's something we've heard a lot. A so. lot, yeah. Mm. And but one good thing is we didn't hear I am the Doctor constantly when the action wow, picks up. Wow, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. You know, so, and then yeah. a, a couple of other bits of his music do sort of add to the action that's, and stuff that's going on. Mm. You know, so it, there are a few things that are okay, you know, that, that are, you know, good, you know, Doctor Who, but it's just so difficult to pull yourself out of that feeling after you've watched it of oh crikey what have i just you know it's 45 minutes i'm not going to get back <laughs> and it's a story that i would love to have um i would have loved it to have been one of those that isn't you know put it in and i find something in it that i liked or it's yeah. not as bad as i remember I'd, i would have loved to have because it's it's only the third time i've watched it um i watched it when it went out um i watched it again I don't know if it was a year later or whatever. It was one of those. I thought, oh, I'll put that on and see if it's as mm -hmm. bad as I remember. And that would have been a long time ago. And then obviously I've watched it again for this review. Um, and it is, it is one of those stories that every time I watch it, I would, I would love my opinion to change. You know, I'd love to just sit back and think, do you know what? This is, this is actually quite good. This is not as bad as I thought. But um, yeah, I think on three viewings um, over various times, I've, I've just come to the conclusion that it's never going to be that story for me. It's yeah. uh, it's never going to be one that I, I mean I probably won't watch this again for a very long time unless there's a reason to I won't be reaching for it let's put it that way yep I yeah. agree um, I have got one last point actually on the pad which is a bit of an odd one I just wondered if you <laughs> noticed this when they go in the TARDIS at the end the TARDIS the TARDIS did you the TARDIS <laughs> did you think it looked really cold <laughs> like a fridge. Like, you know, in Capaldi's era, it's so warm, you walk it, so colourful, and, oh, right, and there's all right. the bookcases, and you have a look at the end shot of this, they walk into TARDIS, and there's all this steam coming <laughs> mm. out, and it's all silver, and all grey. Maybe and that's it the... feels free, yeah, I know, but it's, I know it's meant to, but it just, I was looking at it thinking, God, it feels like they're walking into a fridge, it looks so cold and soulless. Yeah. It's, I, I'm only saying that as a comparison to like how it's changed, you know, for the better since um, Capaldi took over. You know, like we've got the orange colours and and, uh, mm -hmm. and you know the sort of colours around the round doors and stuff, and it looks so much better now. And I've just yeah. forgotten because yeah. I haven't watched um, a lot of Series Seven for a long time. And uh, I don't know if you if you ever <laughs> happen to watch this story again. It, I, it's just the fact that it's got steam coming in as well just adds to the fact that it, it just looks like a giant fridge that they're walking into at the end. It made me think of Bill when she describes it as a kitchen. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Do you know what, yeah. mate? I think that's just, I think that's by design. I think that's a. Oh, it over, is. Yeah. Well, I think it's an overarching Series 7 thing because if you mm. think to a lot of the stories in Series 7, they've all got a fairly muted color palette. Um, like the one before, the Crimson Horror, it's yeah. almost black and white with the exception of the bright reds in mm. that colour for obvious reasons. And then the next one, the name of the Doctor, the finale, that's very cold as well. It's a lot of greys and blues and, you know, yeah. even when you have that whole effect with the Doctor's time streams and stuff, it's all quite uh, sort of silvery and greys. And so I think it's just this series, mate, it just looks a bit, <laughs> I'm, I'm depressing just, <laughs> it does I'm, I'm glad i'm just glad that they they changed it over time because or tweaked it if you like because yeah. you know assume it's the same set uh, well it must be mm -hmm. um and they've just yeah i'm just glad that over time they've they've warmed that up a bit because uh yeah yeah just yeah. looked didn't look too good yeah because capaldi's 
console. It's it, they added a lot more orange and red. Oh, it looks lovely stuff, now. Didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've really tweaked it. Yeah, it looks a lot better. Yeah. Okay, okay. Anything else we want to destroy? Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> um, mention before we get onto our scores. I d- I don't think so, mate. No. I think we've covered it. Cool. Yeah, it's me to go first. Good. So I'm going in with a three point five. Golly. Good golly, Miss Molly. Um, well, I'm slightly lower than you on a three. A three, okay, right. <laughs> and even that I thought was a little bit generous, actually. I, I did struggle to score this because I don't find a lot positive in it. Um, but I did like Warwick um, and I did like the beginning bit with the chest and all that. And I did like Mr. Webley, even though it wasn't in it much. So, yeah, I don't know, a three <laughs> for me. But what's your point? What's what's gained that point five? Yeah, so the point I, I know. the point five was Warwick for me. Okay, because I've got a bit of a soft spot because obviously we're huge Star Wars fans, aren't we? This is yeah, you yeah, know, and because I've met him a couple of times, and one of the times I did meet him, I had such a good talk with him, and he's such a lovely guy. And not just that, but I genuinely liked his performance in it. I thought it was one mm. of the things in the story that picked the whole thing up a little bit for me. Yeah, no, so, he's that's that's a good point. He is good in it. Yeah, yeah. So that was the point five for me. Otherwise, mm-hmm. take him out of it. The story as a whole, I'm mm. in par with you, mate. A three, right? Yeesh. Yes. Um, right. Our lovely listeners, we did have a. I can tell before I even start reading them and listening to them that you guys are very passionate about this story, the same as we are. Whether for positive or negative, we'll we'll see. But we had a bunch of audio clips in, so thank you so much for taking the time to do those. So we're going to crack on with those. I'm going to do them two by two, like the arc, so we can get through them as well as the other ones. So we're going to kick off with Lewis Palmer and then Loopy Lou. This is Lewis. Hello, Big Blue Box podcast. Now, I understand that the Neil Gaiman wanted Nightmare and Silver to be a two-parter, but because of the format of Series 6 and 7, that idea sort of got scrapped. And as a result, he wasn't quite happy with how the story turned out, and rightly so. The story itself is okay. I can watch it easily. I like Matt Smith's performance, especially as Mr. Clever. It's a really cool dual role for him. The story is exciting enough to keep me interested, but it makes a couple of just unforgivable sins, in my opinion. It wastes Warwick Davis, which is an absolute crime. It has Angie and Artie, which are two of the worst characters Doctor Who has ever put out. So ungrateful. And it introduces the worst design of the Cybermen ever the Iron Man side men very robotic awful uh, I understand that Adam has some strong opinions on this story judging by other episodes of the podcast but it's fine I think I'm gonna give it a five no three out of no four out of ten I think yeah four is fine I think uh, yeah thanks guys see you later creepy theme park Warwick Davis Cybermen Cybermites what's not to love putting aside the blatant stealing from Star Trek with the Borg-like partial upgrading. I love Matt's performance when he goes all split personality. It was really cool. I thought it was a good self-contained story and I like that they didn't save the planet in the end. That would have been too naff. Poor lonely porridge. I loved that moment when he proposed to Clara. That was so sweet. I would have said yes. Um, I do hate the doctor's comment on Clara's skirt at the end. I mean... Was, oh, did he have to? That, uh, but that's just a tiny niggle. Um, any signs of cybertech remaining? No, Your Majesty. No, 
Uh, I think you missed a little mite just over there. The main thing which let the episode down were those awful child actors. Oh my goodness. But overall, this is a standout episode for me in this series, alongside The Rings of Akaten. Um, so I would give it a 7 out of 10. A 7? A 7? She likes it. Um, Lou makes a very good point about that that line at the end. Oh, yes. I, I, do you know, I'd put money on it that, that the mothball crept in and wrote that. Of course. <clears throat> it's a very yeah. Stephen Moffaty. Something about a, being squeezed into a short skirt, isn't it? And it's yeah. like, oh dear. I thought that was very out of place as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, I don't want to bang, we don't want to bash this anymore, but that's another thing that, that sort of lets it down. It's like, why would yeah. the doctor have this momentary thought of picture, you know, he's obviously fantasizing about Clara in that moment. Mm. in that skirt and it's like hold on no we've we've done away with the whole love it's creepy isn't it you know the whole attraction yeah. oh anyways thank you very much yeah. guys um <laughs> yeah so at least somebody likes it though so fair play Lee. yeah uh, over on twitter um bradley says all i can say it's 45 minutes of its title a nightmare mm. uh, matt's two performances really save what's left of the story hate the kids oh they're going to get such a a bashing him too. Uh, the Theta, the very cool Theta Sigma podcast says, uh, the most aptly titled episode, a nightmare that will yeah. be remembered in the same breath as in the forest of the night and love and monsters. Mm. Uh, Daniel Fox, a mixture of things for me. Matt Smith, awesome. Cybermen, all right. Kids, annoying. Writing, bearable and visually good. Six out of ten. Mm. Uh, Nath, uh, silent nerd, C137. A uh, little Rick and Morty reference, I think, there. Very mm. cool. Uh, it says, the Cyber Planner is a fantastic villain and the Cybermen are very threatening as the only way to get rid of them is to blow up the planet. Nine out of ten. Wow. Good Lord. Uh, cult Dissection. Uh, Darren says, <laughs> more like nightmare in general. Yeah. <laughs> <Love that one. laughs> um, what else have we got here? The, oh, the, very, the very cool Crinoid podcast says, one of the very few Doctor Who episodes to actually make me angry. Because mm. of its appalling quality. Uh, fails on almost every level, dire. Yeah, cheers, Jim. I, I, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look. Um, uh, I had a bit of discussion with Crinoid and some other people after that. Mm. Uh, Cindy Lou Hoovian says, and here I thought I was the only one that didn't care for this one. Were the soldiers, quote unquote, Meant to be funny or seriously pathetic. They reminded me of the ones in The Doctor, The Witch and the Wardrobe. Oh, yeah. Uh, she says they weren't funny either. Just silly. She gives it a four. Mm. Oh, dear. Another clanger. <laughs> yes. What else is on Twitter? Uh, I think there's just a couple more. Uh, no. I think after that we moved on to other waffle and other stuff. Um, oh, here we go. Nick Kirby says, utterly disappointing. Making Cybermen scary again. Quite the opposite. Reduced to generic robot of the week. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, very true. Tardis Elliot says, I thought it was a shame they didn't get the Cybermen to run rather than be... Uh, they didn't get the Cybermen to run rather than the slow-mo effect that they used. A running Cyberman would be terrific. I see what you mean. So instead of them actually running properly, mm. they chose to use this ridiculous cheap effect. Um, you know, to make them look like they were moving very quickly. I read you. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, last couple on Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, a Twitter user, when I say run, says, 
Um, I sometimes forget just how arrogant and bossy Clara was. Uh, annoying children and poor sidemen aside, I can't understand how the brilliant Neil Gaiman wrote an episode I dislike this much. Uh, Matt Smith tries his best to hold it together, but on this occasion it's not enough. He gives it a five. Mm. Not good on Twitter. Let's do a couple no. more audio clips. Uh, this is going to be Joe Sweeney and Sammy Satine from Down Under. Hello again, Adam. Hope you guys are well. Nightmen Silver. Oh, dearie me. It was bad. Just bad. The storyline and the <laughs> plot, the script was just awful. The kids was annoying and they had no impact on the story whatsoever. And they just dragged the story down. And the Cyberman was just a, a letdown. And the design was just Iron Man ripoffs. And the Doctor being a cyber controller, mixed bag. I mean, there were some good bits and there's some not so good bits about it. But I do like the regeneration dialogue though. Matt Smith did give an okay performance, but I just feel Jamie feels sorry for him that, that he had to work such a very bad script as such as this. So overall, very poor episode and not something I will watch again um, unless I'm doing um, a Doctor Who mar marathon. So I'll give a score of them a 2 out of 10. Hope you're enjoying podcasts, guys. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye um, 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 for now. G'day, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. Well, I like the Doctor's wife better, Neil Gaiman. The Cybermites, Mr. Clever, Warwick Davis's performance and Matt Smith were all good. The less said about Angie and Artie, the better. The Iron Man Cybermen here, unlike in the Series 8 finale, are at least attempting to be threatening. As for Clara, the most unrelatable, inconsistently written, overpowered, toxic companion there ever was, well, she's definitely my least favourite companion. Even Tegan is better. Jenna's performance is good, though. Five out of ten. See ya. Five. Five out of ten. Cheers, Sammy. Even Tegan is better. Yeah, Tegan. There we go. Um, right, we're going to go on to Facebook now. We're going to alternate with some of these and some more audio. Jeff Waddle says, absolute garbage. <laughs> Kids were terrible. Promised a silent killer Cybermen. We got noisy, faster-than-light Cybermen, which we never saw again because it would have made the Invincible... The Doctor has a battle for his mind with Cyber Willy Wonka and the Cyber <laughs> part is more comedic and irrational than the Doctor WTF. He's not happy. No, he's goes right on, though. Goes on to say, he made me so angry I made a point of telling Neil Gaiman who was doing a book signing Ooh. in Dundee and fair play to him, he said that what was on screen was nothing like his submitted story and admitted it was crap. Really? Yes, which makes me think, which makes, I always think We this, don't which, want to point fingers. But, yeah, which is what I said earlier. But we are. <laughs> yeah, his story, I think, was completely, I can't say the word, uh, dismantled and put back together in a Frankenstein-esque sort of way. There's a word beginning with B um, to describe that. But anyway, Jeff goes on to say, I couldn't even give this a score. By far and away, the worst episode of New Doctor Who don't blow up the planet. Whatever you do, don't blow up the planet. Oh, look, we've blown up the planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't blow up that planet. All right, let's play another audio clip so I can laugh some more. This is not, not the audio clip, but what Jeff just said. Uh, this is Martin Arnold. Hello, Tireless Travellers. Um, I really like Nightmare and Silver. I've, I've never understood why it's considered a bad episode. I mean, you can point to Clara and... You know, she's there. Well, she's in a lot of episodes that 
are otherwise quite good. I don't usually have that much of a problem with her, really. Um, she's not the greatest of companions, but you know that's a whole other discussion. The two, um, the two child actors aren't the best. I mean, okay, fair enough, but they're there to be captured and um, you know present the reason for the Doctor to save the day, and the story unfolds well. It's got a good pace. The threat is there. Um, it doesn't slow down or sag in the middle or anything like that. I think it's I think it's a well written episode, and it should be coming from someone like Neil Gaiman. I, I hope he writes more. I think both of the episodes that I've seen that he's done have been really really enjoyable. Um, I, I also like the new Cybermen. I far prefer them to the eighties. I think they uh, the new ones are properly emotionless, suitably threatening in a credible way. I mean, okay, they can upgrade themselves to <laughs> to resist everything, but I mean that's kind of what they should be doing, even if it's a little bit over the top. So I'd give it eight out of ten, um, and I, I think it's I think it's well worth well worth watching. Thanks very much. Nice one, Martin. Well, Martin, I mean, it's interesting because I, I have to say I disagree with a lot of that. But, you know, that's all good. It's, I'm, it's interesting to hear a different opinion because, you know, if we're all just thinking the same and putting it into the ground. So thank you for your, you know, input. I, I, I genuinely find it interesting to hear someone, you know, with, with different opinions. Yeah. I, I, I definitely don't agree with a lot of what you just said, but, but um, you know, it's, it's interesting that yeah, you that, enjoy it more. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. I mean, I was, yeah, I was surprised by um, some of the things you said there, Martin. But having said mm. that, you know, everyone's, you know, if you like it, Martin, then that's really cool. I'm glad. Yeah. It would be interesting to find out how many times you've watched this, Martin, whether this is one that, because you obviously like this story, which is cool, whether, she, whether you go back to it and you quite like rewatching it, or if it's one of those, oh, if it's on, then I'll watch it. Um, mm. sort of thing but yeah thank you very much martin uh back on facebook lou gallagher says pretty forgettable pretty forgettable but not awful just kind of meh um matt gives a delightfully hammy performance as the cyber planet and looks like he's having a lot of fun easily the best part for me i like the setting and of, of an abandoned theme park uh in concept it feels very eerie and they could have perhaps played more with the cybermen hiding in or posing as attractions and pick off or upgrade characters as they explore. Or maybe I'm talking rubbish. But no, I think that's a good idea, Lou. Mm. Uh, Jenna is fine as per usual, but Clara is inconsistent as ever, as you'd have thought she was a cadet leader or something after being absolutely terrified in the li- in the likes of Hyde and Cold War. Yeah. Very true. Uh, he gives it a four or a five out of ten. Uh, Lee Klaus says, very disappointing. The Cybermen turned into uh, too robotic and lost their human feel. Uh, the kids were very annoying and unrealistic. Supporting cast were poor, as was Clara. Matt saves this episode as his performance, as always, especially with him switching between the Cyber Planner and the Doctor. Overall, uh, very filler, four out of ten. Mm. Um, more audio clips. The penultimate one, this is James Coleman. Hi, Gary and Adam. Here's my review of Nightmare in Silver. So I actually think this was quite a good episode, with an average performance from the Doctor, but I think Clara was quite annoying and too bossy, which made her too important in the episode. I think Angie and Artie were fun and fresh characters for this series, and Hedwig is an interesting character, with some nice easter eggs in his museum from past episodes. I think Porridge is the best supporting character, with a nice twist of him being the Emperor at the end. I think the Punishment Platoon weren't really very strong characters, and were more there for comic relief. 
Mr. Clever was quite annoying, but could be sinister at times, and I think the side mites were a good idea for the episode. Right, on to the new side men. Now, contrary to popular opinion, this is actually my favourite design, because they're overpowered, very sleek, and have very menacing voices, with a great reveal at the beginning. So overall, I'd give this episode a 7.5 out of 10. I'll see you guys next time. Bye! Cool. Excellent. Thank you for the review. Another more positive one. Is that another first-timer? Uh, no, James sent him one uh, last episode. Oh, but right, he's okay. recent though, yeah. So thank you very much, James. Yeah. Uh, right, let's rattle through these last ones on Facebook. Miles McKenzie says, Nightmare in Silver, ironically, is a nightmare. Uh, slow. Sidemen didn't really uh, have a story to why they have changed. Don't get me started on those kids. Um, they were annoying <laughs> as hell and so stale. Clara was really meh too. Supporting cast are okay. New design for the Cybermen. Uh, for the cybers are atrocious it couldn't scream more iron man uh, on a plus side matt did a decent job um and the cyber mites were a cool new concept but didn't go anywhere uh 0.5 out of 10 but if we can do minuses then it would be minus 20 out of 10 good grief yeah uh, jason thayer i actually enjoyed the episode i mean it has warwick davis and it was written by neil gaiman yes the kids were annoying but it wasn't that it, but I wasn't bothered as much because I'm used to that. Uh, it gives it eight out of ten. Mm, okay. Mark Atkinson, utter beep. Uh, the worst episode since the show came back. Truly terrible. So bad it made me angry. One out of ten. Yeah. So there's a lot of people made angry. I think by this one. Oh dear. Mm. Mark, is that Mark as in uh, Proctor? Proctor who? Yes. Yeah. Uh, another cool pro- uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, so Jake of the Burt Whistle said, I happen to quite like Nightmare in Silver. I also quite like the design of the new Cybermen and only parts of it I don't like are Angie and Arcee and that cow Clara. <laughs> 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 he gives it eight out of 10. Uh, Joseph Howarth says, put simply, it's the worst Cybermen story that New Who has ever come up with. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is part where I'm meant to rage at the story like I have done with some stories in the past. Incest beyond belief, even. I should be mad with. I should be mad, shouldn't I? In fact, I am. The Cybermen are a joke. And uh, in this one, and even do uh, and don't do anything noteworthy or creepy whatsoever. And don't get me started on the brats. I think he's referring to the children there. Mm. Goes on to say um, good things in the story, like Warwick Davis as Porridge. Uh, which the latter in question was a good character. Uh, the episode itself starts off good with the whole theme park on the moon thing, and then it totally falls apart after that. Gives it a 2 out of 10. Wow. Uh, last audio clip before we wrap up on Facebook. This is Owen Daly. Hello again, Adam. Hope you're well and enjoying the show this week. So Nightmare and Silver, I feel genuinely sorry for you two that you have to watch it again. This is a terrible story. Um, the weakest in Series 7 by a mile, and that's a very weak series in my opinion, so that's saying something, that it's that bad. Uh, Neil Gaiman, he nailed Doctor's Wife, and then he made a mess of this one. I think the main reason is those two children, Angie and Artie. What was the Doctor doing? He should not have had these two on the TARDIS. They are the most ungrateful buggers of history. Like, isn't your one Angie on her phone for half as well? Like, oh God, really do not like those two. Uh, the Cybermen, the fact that they look like Iron Man, they're running at, like, two billion miles an hour just they're not cybermen they're iron man like why they're they're brutal um the mr clever doctor he's he's cool enough but like he's barely in the episode so yeah story's not that good i'm gonna give it a five out of ten yeah sorry for you guys having to watch this one thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show (laughs) 
Cheers, Owen. You felt our pain. Yeah. Pain. 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 <laughs> uh, right. Uh, back on Facebook, last few now. Uh, Finn Morris Young says, interesting premise with a hint of the Silver Turk. Uh, some brilliant it, acting yeah. from Matt, but overall not that good. Four out of ten. Zach Jenkin expected better from Neil Gaiman. Uh, the best thing about this is Warwick Davis. Uh, he says trash out of ten. Uh, <laughs> Danny Brown says one of the worst things my eyes have ever seen. Two out of ten. Sean Gordon introduced the Tony Stark side of men and had Artie and Angela in a larger role. Do I really need to say more? Three out of ten. Uh, Dean Jones says after a very good The Doctor's Wife, I was excited to see what Neil Gaiman could do with Cybermen. Uh, whilst far from the worst of Series 7, it's still very disappointing. Uh, Matt Smith is excellent as usual. And whilst Mr. the Mr. Clever persona is a bit too emotive, it's commendable to see Smith doing something a bit different. Uh, it goes on to say um, uh, a 5 out of 10. He's got a really long review, so I can't read the whole thing out, but it gives it a 5. Mm. And lastly on Facebook, Luke Allen says... Uh, there's kind of an okay, rather pointless episode with silly Iron Man-esque Cybermen. Oh, and Warwick Davis, he's rather cool. And that wraps up the official stuff. Did you have any comments on the Geek's Handbag? Uh, yeah, I had a couple of comments on Geek's Handbag. Uh, Kevin Mullen says, uh, after, delivering, after delivering the fantastic Doctor's Wife, Neil Gaiman delivered quite simply the worst Cyberman story. Only Matt Smith's acting saves Nightmare and Silver from collapsing in a st- <laughs> uh, <laughs> collapsing in a steaming pile of tediousness. I wasn't sure where that was going. Oh dear, he says. Three out of ten. Uh, Charlie Turner, who's uh, who's just gone and bought um, series a few series on Blu-ray, I think, says it's a decent story, Cyberman story, he'd say. Matt Smith is amazing. Jenna Coleman, decent. Artie, not bad. Angie is terrible, though. And let's just say he's got Series 7 coming on Blu-ray, so it's a coincidence you guys are reviewing it. I think not, he says. He gives it <laughs> 6 out of 10. Uh, John Hunt, Hunt? John Hunt, sorry. John Hurt, I was going to say. John Hunt <laughs> says uh, the title should have been called Nightmare of Boredom because it was... One of, if not the worst, Cyberman story we've ever had. And bonus point, when you get upgraded, then you get the full conversion. For some reason, the kids didn't, and it still bugs me to this day because they were both really annoying as humans. Would have been much better with zero emotions. Okay. okay. Patrick Sherwood, this story is not the best, but also not the worst Cyberman story. Um, he can live with it, he says, and he gives it a 7.5 out of 10. Okay. Tess Morgan, honestly, I expected more from Neil Gaiman. Or Gaiman's getting in the neck, and, uh, especially since the Doctor's Wife was so good. Um, as a Who fan and a Gaiman fan, Tess was disappointed, she says. Oh. And finally, Sam Bagley. Bagley? Uh, hi, Sam. I know Sam as well. I should know his surname. He says in great big capital letters, the worst Cyberman episode ever. Oh, so there we are. We'll end on that. <laughs> we'll end on that one. Crikey. Thank you so much, Good. guys, for sending in all your thoughts and audio clips. Yeah. It's very much appreciated. Very cool. Absolutely. Uh, next week, it's Classic Who. Yay. What are we doing next week? Ah, uh, need some Classic Who after this. So, second Doctor story, The Enemy of the World. Ah. That's another one where the Doctor's playing two parts, I've just realised. Mm, Salamander. Yeah, Salamander. So, yeah, that'd be good. That will be good. I have to get on with that one. It's a six-parter. So those of, you, uh, mm. those of you that are going to get your reviews in next week, you need to dig your DVD out, get those six parts watched. A big cast in this one, if I remember mm. correctly. Quite a big supporting cast. But yes, really looking forward to watching some Troughton. Yeah. 
Indeed. Uh, right. I think we're going to do there for 154. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us through a fairly long show talking about a fairly bland episode of <laughs> Doctor Who. We'd love to be able to say more nice things about it and give it a bit more of a positive review, but we're honest, you can't argue with that. We're not just going to sit here and say, oh, it's wonderful because it's Doctor Who, you know. Otherwise, it'd be meaningless giving you our thoughts, wouldn't it? So, honest review on Nightmare in Silver. Thank you, everybody, for sending in your reviews and your thoughts, uh, especially those guys that took the time to do the audio clips. Very, very cool to actually hear your thoughts yeah. and what you felt about the story. So, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Uh, next week, The Enemy of the World. So, grab your divs. Give that a watch and we look forward to hearing your and reading your thoughts on that next week. In the meantime, head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk From there you can listen to all of the previous episodes plus you can link off to all of the social stuff and give us a link, uh, sorry, a like and a mm. follow and all that jazz. And you can also subscribe to our show on all the popular podcast networks like obviously iTunes and all the others are on there. Just give us a search and for our iTunes subscribers and listeners, if you could spare a minute to give us a review, that would be awesome because that will help us out loads. Thank you very much. Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Oh, yes. Coming at you from somewhere in... The middle of the nowhere. The middle of nowhere, that's it. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't be more apt at the minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, so head over to The Geek's Handbag. Just do a search on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Give Adam a subscribe on YouTube so many good videos there I say this every week so many good videos unboxings reviews vlogs just everything the whole lot's on there yeah all good stuff next week episode 155 Nios uh, we look forward to seeing you then until then my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember and uh,